Welcome to episode 92 of the Grace Enough podcast. I am your host, Amber Cullum. And this week, we are talking about how to help kids engage their pop culture world for Christ. We often want to avoid or forbid anything related to pop culture. But today's guests, Ted Turno and Jared Moore, join me to discuss how becoming familiar with pop culture and discussing it with our children actually help them engage their world for Christ. They, along with Stephen Burnett, have co-authored one of my absolute favorite reads of 2020, The Pop Culture Parent. It would make a great gift for parents of kids of all ages. Speaking of gifts, I want to invite you to visit graceenoughpodcast.com. Every book mentioned during Grace Enough episodes can be found under the show notes tab. When you purchase through these links, I receive a small commission at no cost to you. That commission helps support the content I put out here at Grace Enough. So if you hear about a resource you were interested in purchasing, I would be so grateful if you would purchase it through the links found at graceenoughpodcast.com forward slash show notes. That's graceenoughpodcast.com forward slash show notes. Okay, friends, let's jump into today's conversation with Ted and Jared, the pop culture parent. Well, today I have Ted and Jared on the show. They are the authors of a new book that we're going to talk about, but I'm going to give them an opportunity to first introduce themselves. And so, Ted, if we can start with you, tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, and what you're doing currently. Uh. My family and I have lived in the Czech Republic in Prague for the last 21 years. We are currently uh, empty nesters. I have a daughter who is about to be married uh, on Halloween. She's getting married and she's in California. Um, She's my middle child. I have an eldest who is doing a master's in uh, atmospheric science at NC State in Raleigh. And my youngest is studying veterinary medicine in the Czech city of Brno, which is about two and a half hours east of here by train. And uh, I teach at Anglo-American University. I teach classes in cultural studies, media studies, and religious studies. Now, how long have you been there teaching? 21 years. Nice. Okay. So your kids were pretty much raised there then. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Roger was eight when we came here. Claire was four and she is probably, her check is the best of all of ours. And uh, Ruth was eight months when we first came. So she is, she is pretty thoroughly Czech. Nothing, nothing in America is as good as it is in the Czech Republic, with the possible exception of Krispy Kreme donuts, which we don't have here. (laughs) That's funny that you say that, because just this morning, my kids are on fall break, and I said, tomorrow, maybe we can go down to Krispy Kreme, and I'll get you guys a little treat. So I'm sorry. Maybe I can send you a virtual donut, right? (laughs) Virtual donuts just don't taste as good. They sure don't. They're better for you, though, that's for sure. Yes. That's right. All those virtual calories do add up, though. That's right. All right, Jared, how about you? Um, I was uh, raised in a Christian home and been a Christian since I was 17 years of age. And um, 
I've been a pastor for about 20 years, pastoral ministry, and I'm married with four children. My oldest is about to turn 13, and my youngest is five years of age. And so uh, we enjoy popular culture together, and um, I think this book is uh, has been helpful. It's been helpful in being a co-author so that I can uh, help, you know, my children are still real young and can help them grow up into maturity to live in this um, this world for God's glory. And in training them to navigate pop culture for God's glory, they'll be able to navigate um, the rest of culture, really. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's a it's actually a fun training ground. It really is. I'm excited to talk about it. Well, so Jared, does your wife have all of the kids at home right now or are they actually at school? They're they're actually at school. Um, We homeschooled uh, till about second grade for the oldest. And then we've had them in classical Christian school. Uh, The curriculum we used was classical Christian. Mm -hmm. And so we've actually put them. It's just a a ton of stress. If you've ever homeschooled, you know. Oh, I do. I've got the best of both worlds in my um, world because we go to a hybrid model school, which is classical Christian as well. But my two oldest go to school two days a week. That's just the way it is pre-COVID. And then we follow the teacher's curriculum at home the other three days. So it's really the best of both worlds. Wow. Yeah, that sounds great. Oh, yeah. It's nice. Well, guys, let's dive in. Um, This is a little bit of... You know, off the cuff question, probably not for you, but will one of you answer like what really led you to want to write The Pop Culture Parent? In 2012, I wrote a book called Popologetics, which was a book to help equip Christians to engage popular culture. And what I found out was that when you write a book, people ask you to speak at stuff. <laughs> and so I we were in the States that summer and I was doing a some speaking appointments here and there going to certain churches and I even did one uh, by Skype in Ireland, but everyone that I did, every single one, somebody, either a mother or a father or grandparent would say, yeah, this is really interesting and really awesome, but my kids will never get it. And then I was doing a series of, uh, of workshops at, the church we consider our home church when we're stateside, which is in Winston, Winston-Salem. And somebody said the same thing again. Oh, this is great, but I don't know. My kids will never get it. And I said, fine, fine. Let's deal with the <laughs> elephant in the room. And then I just rambled for 45 minutes about how I thought popular culture uh, could be engaged, how you could do apologetics with kids. And then um, afterwards, a couple of the moms in the in the audience came up to me and they were dear friends and they started poking me in the chest saying, you need to read a book. You should have written a book five years ago. What's taking you so long? Get busy. And I was like, ah, okay, okay. <laughs> um, and, uh, and then I, I made the fateful decision to tweet. Uh, I guess I need a apologetics for kids. And our third co-author, uh, the third of the trio of us, Stephen Burnett, email or tweeted at me saying, Hey, Jared and me are doing this book and we're doing the same thing. Do you want to join forces or do you want to race? And I said, well, I'm, I'm working on another book. So if we race, I lose. So why don't we talk? And so we talked and figured out there was a lot of agreement among us and kind of launched off on it. And I was thinking, Oh, great. 
we have three authors. This will take a third of the time to write. <laughs> that is not how it works at all. It, uh, it actually increases writing time by a third or by three times because everything anybody writes gets sent to the other two and you talk oh, and yeah. it's, a, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, Jared, why'd you <laughs> laugh so hard about that? Oh yeah, it does take three times as long, but I think it's, uh, you know, you've got three different perspectives on every page and there's mutual agreement across, there's so much that we agree on and, and not only that, but the backgrounds that we have, mm -hmm. you know, you Stephen was raised kind of a hyper fundamentalist and I was raised a fundamentalist wow. and Ted was raised semi, I guess it's safe to say semi-fundamentalist. No, I was a, raised. I, I was raised evangelical Presbyterian. Mm. Okay. So yeah. things were, I think, a lot looser for me than it was for you two. Yeah. Mm. And so all those perspectives brought into the same book, I really think it will it will be beneficial to those who were raised like Ted and then those who were raised like Stephen and I, and then others as well. I think anyone who views the Bible as uh, the standard will benefit from this work. Absolutely. Well, and that's the thing, as we begin to talk about just some of what's in this work that you've written, let's make sure the audience really knows what we're referring to when we say pop culture. And so will one of you define that for us, you know, in terms of how the book is written? Popular culture is not equivalent to bad culture, which is a lot what a lot of Christians take it to mean. Popular culture, good and bad, are, is simply culture that lives and dwells and moves in spaces that are everyday. Like not in the museum, not in the grand concert hall, not in the old libraries where nobody ever goes, but on the internet, on streaming services, on the radio, on YouTube channels, on, you know, on and on and on. Um, on on Steve uh, on Steam, you know the the game downloading service. So it's just culture that lives where we live, which is why it's so impactful, why it has such a wide impact, and and why it's really necessary not to ignore it. Well, and that's the thing Christians do, and I mean, if you've been raised in a fundamentalist household, then you definitely know that. But I know as a parent myself, you know, to a 10, 8, and 4-year-old that I can tend to avoid or forbid anything that is related, you know, to pop culture. And sometimes it's out of this fear of, oh, my gosh, they don't know how to handle it. And I don't either. Um, and as my kids have gotten older, I've started thinking more and more through how do I engage them in this because I don't want anybody else to be doing the work I need to be doing with them. And so, Jared, I'm going to kind of point this question, you know, towards you. What are some of the dangers in taking that approach to just not letting your kids engage in any pop culture? Sure. Um, the, the danger is that you don't prepare them to live in this world. And you're going you're gonna to hinder your children uh, to be ambassadors for Christ, which how are they going to fulfill the Great Commission when they don't understand the culture in which they live, in which their mm -hmm. peers live. Um, and 
the goal is remember that Jesus said to be in the world, not of it. And that's essentially what we're arguing in this book. This is a popular culture world that we live in. And so do we want to train our children to live in this world or do we want to train them to live in a world that doesn't exist? Mm. You can't evangelize in that world that doesn't exist. We live in this world. And so let us train our children to be in this popular culture world, but not of it. Mm. Yeah. Well, and that leads us right into something that you've said, Ted, which is you wrote popular culture shapes imagination and inner worlds. It creates connections between them and their friends. They need parents to help them see how the gospel shines in contrast to what the world offers. They need training and discernment and wisdom as ambassadors of Christ to their friends. They need to learn the cultural language of the land to which God calls them, their own culture. So how can we go about engaging popular culture with our kids now to help them see that gospel in contrast to the world? That's a big question. It is. That's the whole book. That is the whole book. Um, Let me just, let me just Hopefully people will read it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, go read it. Um, But uh, the first thing would be just to be willing to sit down with your kids and enjoy popular culture with them, Mm -hmm. right? Get into their worlds. If If their imaginations are being formed, if their friends' imaginations are being formed, if their, if their whole world is being shot through and woven through with popular culture, then you need to know what you're dealing with. Um, it does no good for a parent to uh, just pronounce on high against the popular culture their kids are watching out of ignorance. Know what you're talking about. So just school yourself. And once you do, then you'll start understanding what's good here, what, what resonates with the gospel, and when and when we say the gospel in in uh, in the pop culture parent, we're talking about the gospel as broadly conceived as possible. That is a a redemptive Christian approach to everything in life, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, what does the gospel have to say about recreation? About work? About sex? About death? About school? About responsibility about Mm. money about everything Mm. and and there are very few pieces of popular culture that are just so off base that you have nothing to learn that nothing connects right yeah and even where it doesn't connect there are ways of saying okay this is what this piece of popular culture says can you see how the gospel offers something better so whether it's sympathetic resonance, mm. you know, where, where they're kind of working on the same wavelength or whether it's just contrast, you can sh- show the gospel as something distinctive and special by filtering it through popular culture, by, by holding it up against popular culture. And, and, and you will be talking about pop, uh, you'll be talking about the gospel in terms that your child can understand. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to be speaking their language and you're going to be speaking the language of their friends. Yeah. I mean, something that has really helped me is just remembering you have to be willing to kind of pause and ask some questions of them to get them engaging their minds about what they're watching, listening to, observing, good or bad. Right. Like, and so, Jerry, yep. do you have anything to add to that? What Ted said as far as, 
what's essential is getting in the world. Like I know this is a daunting task when you when you pick up the book and you, you're you wonder well how do I actually apply this? And we do show you how to apply yeah. it. The main thing is just doing it. Like you'll get better as you spend time with your children. You know if you're if you're in the Word, if you're part of a local church and you're reading the scriptures, you know if you're in the Word. As you spend time and engage pop culture with your children, you'll be able to, you know, the five basic questions that we ask, you'll be able to recognize the story and recognize the image bearing and then also recognize the idols. And you'll be able to, I mean, it's not as daunting as it may seem. Mm. Um, I realize that it's easy to just draw, draw hard lines yeah. and say, don't watch a certain rating of movie and don't listen to secular music that may be easier, but the question is not what is easier. It's what is best for our children, right? Yeah. What is best for our children? That should be the question. And that should be the answer. Not what is easiest for me. We mm -hmm. live in a, a largely, it was a post-Christian culture. Absolutely. And, uh, in Ted's world, especially right They're further down the road than us. And um, how are we going to prepare our children to live in this world and the world that this world is becoming. Mm. And so in order to do that, it takes diligence from parents to sit down and enter their children's world and train them to be distinctly Christian and to enjoy Christ, enjoy the gospel, enjoy image bearing, mm. right? I mean, in the midst of that world. And, and uh, I think that parents need to utilize this tool and that it can be a joy that they're, they're missing out on a joy as well like the, the joy of spending time with your children the joy of like worldview engagement with your children even if it's on a small scale i mean it, mm -hmm. it really is a beautiful time like relationship building community building in your home and and through this it's helped me to enjoy the lord more not less mm, good word ted were you getting ready to add something yeah um I mean, I really appreciate Jared's use of the words diligence and, and, and stuff like that. I just want people not to lose sight that it's kind of fun too. Yeah. You know, it's sitting down and watching stuff with your kids that they enjoy and that you enjoy. That's just fun. And and one of the things that I loved, uh, one of the things that Stephen especially brought was this ginormous enthusiasm saying enjoying popular culture is what we're supposed to do this is what god made us for i think i think christians christians sometimes feel guilty about enjoying stuff if you take nothing away nothing else away from the book although you should take lots of stuff away from the book you should feel permission to enjoy stuff with your kids mm. you know it's it's not a chore it's fun. Have fun with your kids. Lighten up. Have and and because that's the that's the best learning. Look, I'm a college lecturer. Learning happens best when the students are having fun. When when you when they're like, "Oh, wow, that's cool." And like the best compliment I ever got as a teacher. I teach this really heavy theoretical class called Popular Culture and Media Theory. One of my students after class said, "You you really like this stuff, don't you? And I was like, yeah, man. Like I, when, I, when I get students in here, it's like I'm a kid in a toy store and I'm running to the different shelves and they're like, look, laser beams shoot out its eyes. <laughs> and look at this one, you can throw it and it flies. 
that's how we ought to be towards life, right? Yeah. We, yeah. we this this kind of dour. Ah, oh, we hate everything. We hate life. We that 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 people caricature Christians as ought not to be true, right? Yeah. Well, and the things that you guys say actually have helped me in that way because I'm definitely the person that's like, okay, watch the show right now so that I can do something else. And there's a time for that, for sure, because as yeah. mamas, sometimes we just, we need that minute. But particularly evening shows, it's like, I can't remember, I think it was Steven who talked about anime. Is he the one who talks a lot about anime? Oh, no, no. That was, well, he, he talks about anime, but anime it's is, you? yes. Okay, well, I I hate it. <laughs> so... Dude. But my kids, I know, I know. Dude. It's not because I'm a boring Christian. It's because I just don't like it. But you helped me because my kids do, there's many shows they love. And it helped me to think, okay, sit can you, can down. Can you name some? I'm just um, curious. Well, I mean, the biggest one they love is Pokemon. Uh, my kids were my kids were addicted to check Pokemon. Oh, my gosh. It's really funny if you if you think about it. And then Beyblade. My kids love Beyblade, which is also okay. an anime cartoon. Okay. He, he, let me let me just say this before you go on. Help me. As they as they <laughs> mature in their in their anime viewing habits, which they will, I think you'll find that some of the animes they glom onto are going to be more interesting for you as a parent. Okay. I'm not, I don't have a crystal ball, but I'm predicting that for your future. If you I hope hang you're in right. There. Yeah, no, if you hang in there, there is some fascinating stuff going on yeah. in anime. When somebody says, I don't like anime, there's so much variety. There's, there's almost always something somebody likes in there. Okay. It's, so just hang on. And uh, and wait till they start getting into My Hero Academia and stuff like that, and and you'll find you'll find it a little more engaging at that point. Well, and that's the thing, though. Even just thinking through what you guys wrote helped me to just say, even if I don't enjoy something right now, because I'm a, a, a thinker, I can sit down and actually just watch for certain things, and that gives me a conversation point. And part of what I want to do with my kids is have conversations. Again, they don't always have to be these hyper-spiritualized conversations. I just want to be having them. Um, and particularly for boys, I mean, it's a great opportunity to engage them because they, at least my two boys, get super excited to engage mm -hmm. about what they enjoy in popular culture. Are you living a story you don't like? I think it's safe to say... We're all living with a difficult story these days. So I'd like to give a big thanks to our sponsor for today's show. Heather Dixon is an author, speaker, and Bible teacher. And as a survivor of an incurable genetic disorder, she is passionate about helping women find the courage to live by faith, especially when they don't like their story. Her new Bible study, Renewed, Finding Hope When You Don't Like Your Story, is for the woman who is not just walking through a season of hardship, but who has experienced a story that they did not choose and cannot change. In Renewed, a four-week study of the book of Ruth, women glean wisdom from Naomi's perspective, a woman who lived a story she didn't choose or like. 
With insight from her own journey of living with this story that is not easy, Heather teaches women to flourish, even as they live hard stories, by trusting in God and trading their heartache for hope. If you need a safe place to process your hard story while allowing God's Word to speak tangibly into it, check out the Renewed Study at therescuedletters.com backslash renewed. That's therescuedletters.com backslash renewed. Friends, your story isn't over. Even now, God is working to renew it. I want to ask you guys, since we've been talking about, you know, different types of popular culture for the parent of maybe a toddler or an elementary age student or child who's listening right now, what is an example of a popular culture, um, I don't know, show that you could kind of work through really quickly to help them lay that foundation now? So I just want parents to know, okay, my child's interested in, I don't know, um, Blaze and the Monster Machines. You all don't have to use that. How can I take that and begin to lay a foundation for like a spiritual viewpoint now for the future? I think one of the best things is like, if you think of like the movie Moana concerning who, who made all things, you know, who created all things, basic Christianity begins with one God made all things. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, regardless what age they are, you can, you know, are in church history and, particularly Ted's tradition, you know, Baptists have kind of got away from it, but, um, but in the reform tradition, catechism was essential. One of the first questions you ask is uh, who made you? Yep. Uh, God, what else did God make all things? Mm -hmm. And just those two simple questions are the beginning of a Christian worldview, a, a beginning that goes, I mean, the most advanced Christian apologist starts with that question start with mm. those two answers and I think of, I think it was Francis Schaeffer who said if he had an hour with someone on the on an airplane he would spend like the first 55 minutes convincing them that God made all things and then he would share the gospel like the last five minutes wow and um, I, I think that that's what we can utilize at the very least from the time they're little because Moana doesn't teach that that's right and, and not only that, but you can you can point at uh, Maui, who is a, a demigod, and use him as a contrast for Jesus, who is not a demigod, part man, part God, but he's truly God and mm. truly man simultaneously. And so just those two, I mean, you, you imagine just those two basic doctrines, Christian doctrines, um, and you're training your child in worldview engagement that those two essential doctrines you think of just from cults and from atheism. And so you're, you know, the, the best way to, to train our children is not to wait until they adopt a contrary worldview and then try to bring them back. The best thing is to teach them scriptures, right? To teach them the truth now to kind of, it's similar to, you know, we're dealing with a, a virus right now and we'd rather have a vaccine to, than to actually get the virus and try to find a cure, Yeah, you know? And so <laughs> you can think of it like that to kind of inoculating them. And I, I don't want to use that as if the world is this virus, right? That's not what I'm saying. 
but you, you want to train them to be distinctly Christian in this world. And part of that begin it begins when they're very little mm-hmm. um, by just emphasizing that one God made all things. And not only that, but prayer. I mean, when they're little, right, you can, you teach them to pray, uh, mm-hmm. to talk to God, to thank him. And I mean, there's just these essential basic uh, Christian principles that, you know, are, you can put like with Moana um, to show as a, a Christian contrast. Mm-hmm. Um, but not only that, you can celebrate the good. There's heroism in there in Moana. There's courage. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, I mean, there, there's so much that is praiseworthy there. And not to mention the music. That's one of the yeah. best like soundtracks <laughs> in, you know, maybe 10, 15 years of Disney movies. That's right. Yeah. I mean, I love that perspective because it is true. It's just simple, basic truth. And honestly, the more I pay attention to it, they really can be found in popular culture. It's just like what Ted was talking about earlier. It's meant to be enjoyed. Yes, there are some things out there that, oh, they may not be that great, but there is far more that can be enjoyed, particularly if we are trying to view it through the lens of what is the common grace here, but what is the contrast to what God desires for us what versus what the world desires for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so that kind of lays it out and leads us into what I loved about when I first got the book and I opened it up, there were these five questions in the front. And you guys do such a great job of working through those with specific examples, including Frozen, one of the Star Wars movies, and then Fortnite Battle Royale, which is great for me and my 10-year-old because, Ted, <laughs> that's another one I can't stand. <laughs> really? Fort- oh, I just am not a video game girl, but I'm glad somebody in my family is, but it is not me. So I've, I've learned to quit criticizing it. Uh, well, I just don't have the reflexes for to be really good at Fortnite, but... If you can find somebody who's really good at it, somebody who streams, I just find that the most relaxing thing. Yeah, and and it and it also gives you some credibility. Like when I was yes. when I was uh, I did a I did a a, a little teaching thing at uh, Keswick in England for some youth group leaders, and we were talking and um and we watched some uh, some streams from Ninja. Who's a who's a very well known yes. Fortnite? Oh kind yes, Fortnite I know all guy. about Ninja. And and the uh, and they came back the next day, and they were like, "My nephew thinks you are the coolest person in the world because you knew Ninja." Oh. And I was like, "I don't know Ninja, but well, no, but you knew about Ninja. How many adults know about Ninja?" It's like. He's out there, man. So he is. Didn't he originally go like viral because he invited on some rapper? Uh, he invited on a rapper whose name is escaping me, but he also invited on a Pittsburgh wide receiver. Yes. Uh, Smith Schuster, oh. Juju Smith Schuster. See, I obviously and, uh, need to get a little bit better in my popular culture knowledge. <laughs> Well, and that's the thing. That's the evidence of we really can't. All the avoiding popular culture with our children is doing is just giving someone else the opportunity to speak about popular culture into their lives. I mean, it's the same thing with, you know, parents being so scared to have the talk about sex with their kids. I'm like, first of all, be talking about that from the time 
they're learning how to bathe themselves. And if you're not given, having the conversation with them, somebody else is. Somebody else is, yeah. And if you're not laying the foundation, somebody else is. And, and it's also, um, it's, it's just really helpful, healthy for kids to see their parents modeling uh, an approach to the world that is, uh, I think Tim Keller puts it, critical yet appreciative, mm. right? You don't, you don't look at the outside world and you go, <laughs> and for those of you looking at home, I'm making a little cross, like <laughs> warding off Dracula sign with my fingers. <laughs> You don't, you don't kind of go, ah, Katie bar the door, circle the wagons. And you don't say, eh, whatever kid, go watch, you know, go watch nun munchers from hell five because, uh, truth, because it'll keep you out of my head. <laughs> whatever that while. is, <laughs> whatever that is. Yeah. I could, I, I could make a career just out of, you know, making up horror movie titles. Um, That's right. You don't have to go one extreme or the other, though, is the point, right? Right, like, right, right, right. Um, if, you, if, if your kid is like, no, but dad, I've seen nun, muncher, nun <laughs> munchers from hell one through four. I have to see this. You'll have to say, you know, you, you should, it should draw you up a little and say, okay, with whom did you see these, these movies? And um, I, I'm not sure that that's the best thing for you can I watch it with you just to mm. see how, to, because I'm supposed to be looking out for you. Right. That's right. And that's, and that's way better than in this household, there will be no watching of nun mun or nun munchers or, or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're totally right though. I mean, we just, we've had this experience recently with Harry Potter. Right. Um, I mean, a lot of people, gosh, when it first came out, it was just like, I mean, we're all going to hell if we read Harry Potter. And I mean, now that I have children, I'm like, okay, there is so much redemption there and so much to talk about that has to do with the gospel and truth and lies and good and bad and evil and let the list go on and on. Besides yep. the fact it is a beautiful literary work and we can celebrate the fact that the work is just incredible. Um, yeah. and so let's walk through those five questions that you guys present just with a little bit of an overview. So people will know, you know, these are some questions you can ask. Um, Jared, would you mind to kind of share what the first one is when we're sitting down to watch a movie, watch a show, read a book, whatever, what do we need to be looking for? Um, I believe the first one is, um, what is the story? What is the story? And that, that's just about image bearing. It's about respecting the art creator, the art maker, the culture maker. I mean, if they're made in God's image, they are valuable, whether male or female, uh, they're made to reflect him. And so even though the image of God and mankind has been marred due to the fall, the fingerprints of God are still present in the creative work of his image bearers. And so mm. out of respect for the person, we want to get the story right. You know, we want to get the the plot right and the the you know if you if you don't get it right you can't engage um, in a biblical way I mean you can you can engage them in a uh, I dare say I would say possibly a sinful way um, but you can't engage them in a biblically love God love your neighbor way without getting the story right and so um, we want to and you want also want to train your children if in taking time to get the story right 
um, that they'll also learn how to engage ideas. Um, and so, Ted, will you tell us, you know, what is the second step there? What's the second question? Sure. The second question. And let me let me just um, correct you gently. These are five questions. If your kids are old enough, you can walk them through these five questions. But the aim of the book is to get parents thinking through these five questions. You don't have to go through an order. You can deal with them as they come up. You know, there's a lot of flexibility, but you ought to have these categories in mind. Um, Otherwise, it can be kind of pedantic and heavy. Okay, so so the second question is where are we? What is the um, imaginary world that we found ourselves in? And what that has to do with is when a piece of popular culture is effective, when it's really good, when it captures imaginations, you get sucked in, right? We've had this experience when we've gone to the movies and, and you just kind of everything else melts away until the credits roll and you're like, whoa, where am I? Wow, is it that late? You know, or, or you ask a kid who's been playing Fortnite, uh, dinner time and like, I'll be down in five minutes, half an hour later, because he's just so absorbed into what he's doing and, what, and the flow. So what the second question wants parents to think about is uh, how would you describe this imaginary world? Question three, what's good and true and beautiful? And this question has to do with common grace. What is it that is, what in this imaginary world that you are now in shines with God's grace? What resonates? What, what links up with God's story and, mm. and the Christian understanding of the world? And it's not just enough to say, hey, this is good, but in your mind, think about why those things connect. What is it? What does it specifically link to? What? How does God's creation and His redemption create a larger context for the for the way this world is? So be able to draw those connections yeah. so that you can appreciate what's good. Uh, question four is what's evil and messed up, and that that's basically looking for the idol. You're going on an idol hunt, and when I mean an idol, I don't mean like a golden calf that you're bowing down to, but anything that takes the place of God, anything that gets you up in the morning, anything that, that makes life worth living, if it's not God, then it's, then it's a God substitute. Mm. And what is it that this specific imaginary world presents as a God substitute? What is it that's going to solve the problem? What is it that's going to save the day? Mm. And and generally, in, in most of the story worlds, there will be a redemption offered. How does it stack up against the, the Christian redemption? And can you kind of topple the idol? Can you show that the base it's on is crumbly? Mm. And that that's just um, some good old-fashioned worldview apologetics. Yes. How, how is it? Where are the contradictions? And how do you, how do you sort of call it out? for being unrealistic, unlivable nonsense that, um, that, will, that will destroy you if you, yes. if you let it. And then finally, where does the gospel chime in? If the, if the idol writes checks that it can't cash, where does the gospel come in to actually pay down 
those things that the idol promises but can't deliver? Where does the, where does, if, if it says, you know, yes, we want justice and my personal heroism with a machine gun is going to get justice. And you think, you know, how many times has a guy with a machine gun really procured justice in the world? You know, um, what does the gospel have to say about justice? And it turns out the gospel has a ton a to say about, yeah, a lot to say about justice. That is God is super duper interested in justice. Mm -hmm. The new creation will be governed by justice that every injustice that we see now in the world and society will be righted one day. And that when God executes justice, he does so in mercy mm. um, because we are the unjust. Yes. Like God does not come with his Uzi or his Kalishnikov and just clear this, clear the scene by shooting all the bad guys because we're the bad guys who right. deserve to get shot. Instead, he turns his guns on his own son and procures simultaneously justice and grace and mercy. So just being able to figure out how to negotiate that, um, using these nine, these five steps as a question. Outline that, almost. An out, yeah, 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 good. Outline, yeah. categories. Framework, something like that. Yes, heuristic questions is is what uh, nerds would would say. Heuristic questions, I like it. Maybe I yeah. am a nerd, and I just didn't know it. No, I'm kidding. My friends would definitely welcome. characterize me as a nerd in some ways. <laughs> welcome, welcome to the ranks. We have room for you here. I like it. Um, well, so as we begin to close out, I'll ask both of you this, and we'll just start with Jared. What is some final encouragement that you have for parents? Because you know, you're one, you've written this book, you care about it. And it's not an easy thing to do to always engage your kids in what they're watching and doing and listening to and so on and so forth. But what would you like to say to them as we begin to close out? Uh, don't grow weary in doing good. Mm. Uh, so I, I want to encourage you, if you have young children, you can get away by kind of celebrating your own pop popular culture things that you grew up and enjoyed, you can probably get away with showing that to your children and encouraging them to enjoy it too. So you already know that you already know the pop culture, your pop culture. And so I would start with that and uh, then enjoy and engage that using these questions um, or these categories and training uh, children. But then as they get older, God has designed our children to, to slowly break away from our parents um, not ultimately their authority, but they had their, we're to help them mature into young men and women who That's live right. for God's glory. And so part of that is this, this breaking away and that shouldn't be discouraged. Um, and it, it can become an occasion for occasion for sin, but it doesn't have to be. And so part of that breaking away means that your children will form their own pop culture choices. Yes. And so because of that, parents have to shift from now trying to get the child to love their pop culture. Now, they must reach out to their children and seek to love their pop culture. Even if you don't love it, you love your child. And so you, you get down into their world and enjoy, or at least enjoy their pop culture with them for the sake of helping them mature. And if parents are wondering how to navigate this stuff, I, I actually co-host a, a podcast um, called the Pop Culture Quorum Dale podcast. Nice. And we utilize the, the questions from this book and there's a there's over there's like 77 episodes where we've engaged 
movies like uh, Get Out, Wonder Woman, um, It, Beauty and the Beast, Dunkirk, Moana, Hostiles, Guardians of the Galaxy, Black Panther, The Last Jedi, Pixar's Coco. Nice. I mean, there, there's so many movies that we've engaged with these five questions. And uh, it may help parents if you're you know, curious about how to do this. Um, you can listen to those episodes before you watch the movies with your children, and it will help you kind of navigate these waters. Absolutely. Thanks, Jared. I'll do that. Ted, what about you? I guess I, I would want to give two pieces of encouragement. The first is this may sound like work. I, I hope we didn't make it sound like that in the book, but it may sound like a chore. It's not. It's a lot of fun. It's a way of loving your kids by just enjoying what they love. So just have fun with it. Just relax a little. The second thing, uh, second piece of encouragement is uh, you're going to mess up. You will definitely mess up. The learning curve here for, for negotiating and navigating popular culture is um, kind of steep. I mean, some people take to it right away like ducks to water and some people have a harder time with it. It's something that gets better over time. It's something that you, you learn to uh, enjoy, but you will make mistakes. You'll make mistakes of judgment. You know, your kids might watch something that, that uh, on retrospect wasn't good for them, or you will miss a point or something like that. The encouragement in that is you are, you, you parent in the context of grace, that you are not expected to be yeah. a perfect parent. I certainly wasn't. Um, it's okay to, uh, to fall on your face every so often. That's why Jesus died. And, yes. um, <clears throat> and the fact, and, and when you have a parenting fail, uh, you can entrust your child to one whose wisdom is far greater than yours or mine. Amen. So, um, so don't be beating yourself up. Yeah. Uh, just enjoy the process and learn yeah. as you go and, uh, and trust God with the results. Yeah. Well, and that's something that I say to my kids often, Hey, I'm learning along with you. You know, mm -hmm. I'm learning along with you. So I'm going to do my best to extend grace to you and you do your best to extend grace to me because we've both been extended grace by Jesus. So praise the Lord for that. Amen. Yep. Okay, guys. Well, before we say goodbye, if someone wanted to connect with you, Jared, is there, you said, you mentioned your podcast and I'll make sure that I link that in the show notes. Is there another easy way for people to connect with you? Sure. You can find me on Twitter at Jared H. Moore. Yeah, you can find links to my websites and my podcast through that. What about you, Ted? You can connect with me on Twitter. Okay. Uh, my Twitter handle is Ted Turnau, T-U-R-N-A-U. Um, and I also have a website that I'll post stuff on every so often, which is at uh, my last name, Turnau, T-U-R-N-A-U dot C-Z, since I live in the Czech Republic. But I, I got to warn you, I'm a horrible blog lord. I don't, I don't blog a lot. Um, that's okay. But, uh, Twitter, Twitter keeps us connected. I always tell people it's the spicy place, but that's where yes. some people prefer to be. <laughs> Very much more spicy. But it, it, you can leave a message for me on on either place, and I'm likely to, I, I'll find it. Awesome. Well, guys, thanks so much for taking the time to be here 
today. I am really, really grateful and sorry for all of the tech difficulties. Uh, makes it interesting. There's <laughs> no problem at all. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. Well, I hope our conversation gave you something to think about and begin or continue in your family. I want to say thank you to each of you who spend this hour with me every Tuesday. As I get to know more of you, I find myself giving thanks to God for this space. Don't forget to visit graceenoughpodcast.com, particularly if you would like to purchase any resources mentioned in today's episode, in previous episodes, on my social media pages, or if you want to check out some resources I have there that I personally recommend. It is a way to continue supporting Grace Enough and the content that I put out each week. Thank you for listening to the Grace Enough Podcast. Tune in next time.